Hey guys, welcome back to brand new episodes of People's Stories. Before we get into the episode, I just want to give you a quick update on what happened. So I got a new job and that's why I had to relocate to Berlin along with my husband. Um, and there were a lot of new stuff involved. We had to um, find an apartment. We have to change the city. Yeah, so many things. So basically that took more time than I thought it would. And that's why we got a little more delayed in the plan that we had um, to launch all these brand new episodes, you know, and I'm so super thrilled and excited to finally being able to do that. This time I've had like brilliant people from different area of work who have spoken about their lives, who have who've, who've basically shared their experiences. And one such story that we are going to talk about today is of an organizational psychologist. Her name is Ami Samaya. She hails uh, from Bombay. She has been born and brought up in Bombay. And uh, we're going to talk about everything psychology related. I am so happy uh, to introduce Ami to you guys. And yeah, the stage is all yours, Ami. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Priyanka. And you know, your excitement is so evident in your voice. I'm so happy you're happy to interview me. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to be here. That's so nice. So, okay. Um, again, psychology is something I am totally not aware of. So you have to introduce every single thing to be about psychology. But first, let's talk about you. So where do you come from? What's your background? You know, where have you grown up? Oh, I'm very much uh, from Bombay. Uh, I was born in Kolkata. I spent the first one and a half month of my life over there, after which I've been in Bombay all my life. I uh, studied here in uh, Bombay. I like calling it Bombay and not Mumbai. But uh, so that also tells you the genre I'm from, okay, the generation I'm from. But um, yes, so it's been interesting living in this city. Uh, I come from a small family. Uh, I also have a small family. My son is 18 now. Uh, while I studied to be a psychologist, I did grab a lot of wonderful opportunities to practice or apply my learnings with individuals, teams, larger organizations, smaller setups. And uh, I'm just enjoying everything I do right now. I don't know, you have this, this such such a calm aura around you, you know, when, even when I'm looking at you talking, it's like so peaceful. <laughs> But, so I nice. master, but I must tell you, and for everyone who is listening, please understand this is something which is easily cultivatable if there's a word like that. But, uh, you know, so no matter, um, I think a lot has to do, Priyanka, with the kind of profession I'm in. It's a helping profession, correct? So um, the fact is that no one leads perfect lives and we're not, I'm not calm all the time. Uh, my folks at home will tell you that. But, you know, um, I think over a period of time, uh, when you listen to a lot of stories and uh, you realize that the only time you're able to objectively analyze or actually help out or enable people uh, to do whatever it is that they are with you for uh, is when you're able to, uh, you know, uh, be calm. So that's the time when you have to just be in the moment. I, nowadays, people talk a lot about mindfulness, but that's about it. No? If you're here in this moment, if I'm here to, you know, be able to give Priyanka everything that she wants or, you know, everything that she desires out of this conversation, it is her and my purpose all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so let's start with, with the beginning. So tell me, how were you as a kid when you were, did you know in the beginning that you want to become a psychologist or did this develop over time? 
Priyanka, uh, I, this might sound very radical, and to all the listeners also, I still don't know what is it that I've ever wanted to become as uh, when I was a child. I still don't know if I'm in the correct career line path, you call it. But I do realize that as long as you're happy doing what you're doing, it's a good bet. So coming back to your question, I didn't know Priyanka what I wanted to be. I was extremely creative. I still am, um, but you know. Um, So I always thought I do something with my hands. Mm, okay. okay. <laughs> so I always wanted to draw, doodle, paint, uh, design. Uh, you know, I still think uh, I've decided to work only uh, up to fifty years of age. Okay, I'm like exactly forty five half right now, <laughs> and I have about six years to go. Let's say a little lesser than that, and then I think I must actually pursue a course which is creative and do something creative in terms of. Uh, an occupation or a profession, you know. Yes, so that's that's how I was as a child. Yes, that's what I wanted to be. And how were your like? How was your um, childhood like? Like, how were your parents, your siblings? What What did okay, your childhood look so like? I have one like? younger brother, and I think I grew up so fabulously. We would share the same room, but it was nice and big enough, and we had our own beds. And so I always had someone to speak with. I was always a good child. I was always a topper. Uh, you know, my parents uh, were lucky. Are lucky to have me. Uh, you know, as their daughter, because honestly. Uh, I mean, I just had everything set. You know, I was so disciplined and so organized, and uh, I think a lot of that came from my parents. I I was always from a nuclear family. Uh, you know, Priyanka. Before I was born, my parents uh, were on their own, and uh, uh, they had very clearly defined their roles. And uh, so, I always there are two things, three things I learned from my parents. One is to be prudent. Uh, uh, the only way I can explain it is, you know. Uh, in terms of not just in terms of resource allocation but also in terms of energy allocation you know so there are a few things which you know you can't help but you have to do uh, so that's where you know that's where you know that's a non negotiable and that's where uh, a big chunk of my energy is going to go and then you know how do you actually plan and prioritize it comes from within so one is being prudent the second thing is you know uh, uh being extremely conscientious and the third thing is being organized i think uh, being prudent and organized overlap but you know when i say organize is about life in general uh, how you plan your leaves and you know i totally believe uh, uh, in the fact that uh, children don't do what you tell them to do children do what they see you do so uh, these are the few things i learned and that's why i think that i had a very sound upbringing uh, i also had a fun upbringing because uh, you know i was a very naughty child in school uh, and college uh, i did my uh, my bachelor's in psychology and uh, i remember the kind of behavior uh, uh, for instance if there was someone sitting in front of me and i put ice cubes in her clothes you know that uh, that extent The only reason my teachers never threw me out of class is because I fared so well. I was always among the top two or three students, you know. And I, that's that's what I think. I never want to confirm it with them because I'm afraid of what they will say. But you know, so I did have a fun childhood. I had lots. Of, I I even till date I don't have very close friends. Too many of them, but I have a few close friends. But I had lots of people I knew, and I actually derive energy from people. So I think that has been my most, uh, you know. how do i say that's been uh, as far as my work or profession goes that's been the wisest choice i made you know because i realize people energize me and uh, i like working for people with people uh, 
That's so nice. So um, in terms of, for example, because uh, now that you said that you did your bachelor's in psychology and then I think you also did your master's in psychology, how was that decision taken? So I don't know, um, was it like when when you were studying, was it also like, okay, people either become a doctor or, or an engineer? Totally, or... totally. Okay. <laughs> I'm exactly from that era you're referring to. <laughs> so that's when, you know, and yes, I was from those times when, you know, you had, uh, you know, medicine, engineering, you had humanities, sorry, we called it arts. Okay, so arts, science, commerce, and, you know, of course, you had the professional courses, which were very coveted. And uh, I was a straight A student, okay, but I also knew that uh, I was least interested in science, and I was poor at math. So mm. uh, it was a very, it was a very... Um, a natural, you know, go with the flow decision where I uh, chose arts. And, uh, uh, you know, I think a major factor in me picking psychology as my subject of specialization after class 12, what I did here in junior college was a foundation in arts. So, and I think it was totally just one person, yeah, my teacher. Uh, I still remember Mrs. Sabita Babani, she taught us psychology in class 11 and 12. Uh, you know, it was not a very mediated decision. Uh, she didn't play a role where she actually counseled me or I ever went to her. But when I just saw her, I thought, okay, this was the subject I want to do. This is the kind of passion I want to work with. Uh, also, it helped that I had nothing in mind that time. Okay, so I was a clean, clean slate. So I can do this, I can do this. I'd like, oh, okay, I'm okay doing this. I'm fine doing this. And, you know, my folks would say, okay, would you like to do this? Would you like to do this? So, but there was something about, you know, the subject and the way she taught that subject, the passion with which she uh, uh, taught the subject, the kind of communication or, you know, rapport she had with the kids, uh, with the students. I think that was fascinating. And that was totally the only reason I chose the subject. Yeah, this is so interesting, uh, Ami, because actually before, just before you, I took another interview and that guy, he's into acting. And he also mentioned about his teacher who uh, kind of not really, but pushed him into acting. You know, she was responsible for actually asking him to participate in a play. And that's how he basically got into acting. And uh, I also remember for myself, for example, uh, mathematics was a subject I hated up until class sixth. And then something happened. I had uh, I had a very, very nice teacher in class seventh. Her name is, uh, I always used to call her Yadav mom. Uh, and um I don't know, something happened in class seventh onwards. I just loved mathematics. And that's the reason why I got into mathematical, like I've done my MBA in finance. So that's how such, how important role teachers would play into your life. You won't even realize at that point of time. And how wonderful that must feel, no? Yeah. <laughs> and no. I also see my, I had the opportunity not to study twice, but you know, you are half studying when you're with your kids, right? When my son was very small, I hadn't heard of the word phonetic. I did not know what a phonetic class was before I enrolled Ansh into it. Uh, incidentally, he never took any classes till he was in class eight, except for phonetic. Okay, uh, phonetics. And uh, that was not a part of his school syllabus. So I was interested that I was keen that he learned something different. And there were times when, you know, we would be really young. Yeah, uh, uh, I think he was three, four. I can't seem to recall. But I would stand outside class 
and there were rules of grammar you know the way the teacher taught grammar i was i was amazed i actually wanted to sit into his class and you know learn it all over again and i realized you know this is the impact a teacher can have and i don't know priyanka if you've had a chance to see uh, you know uh, my uh, career um, you know uh, uh, the lifespan of my career but i actually started my career with teaching i taught in two of the most wonderful colleges of bombay uh, for 6 nearly 7 years i taught so that mm-hmm. was my first job okay that that's you know and a lot had to do with like you said yadav ma'am i call her babani miss and you know <laughs> a lot had to do with her yeah 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 of course all right so now let's talk about a little about um your professional life so you are an organizational psychologist what does that correct. mean correct so uh, very fancy it sounds though priyanka but primarily you know uh, so you know let me break this down a little bit psychology psychologists study human behavior correct so uh, an organization as an organizational psychologist what i do is uh, i study the behavior of individuals okay uh, in teams okay and how individuals and teams together can impact organizations the first my first brush with organizational psychology in the you know uh, in the most minuscule way was i started doing employee assessments okay because i am a psychologist uh, whenever organizations want to assess employees you not usually for selection uh, you know although there are a lot of psychometrics which are used for selection uh, if you are about 3 to 5 years in an organization the organization wants to start investing in you correct i want to train you i want to develop you i want to retain you i want to see that whenever there is you know a a, a leadership position vacant i want to see my people graduating to that position or taking up that leadership space mm. so what happens is you know uh, the first time i was told you'll have to do an employee assessment we're always a panel of assessors as they call it they wanted a mixed blend of assessors you know someone from the business background and someone from behavioral psychology background so that's that's the kind of work i started doing uh, sometimes my work was only for two days a month sometimes my work was about you know 12 days a month and i really started enjoying it i mean imagine observing people and getting paid for it and uh, now i do a lot of organizational development work you know where uh, I actually, you know, my role in that would be while Prajita takes care of the processes, my partner takes care of the processes. I look at how different, uh, you know, uh, theories or uh, you know, behavior science approaches can actually benefit uh, individuals and teams and organizations. And uh, we'll finish one year next year, and we will complete one year next year, and we are we both of us will be in Rishikesh celebrating that first year because we took. We totally believe that do whatever you want, you have to spend. You know. <laughs> hey guys, if you are liking our content and think it could inspire, motivate, or give some ideas or directions to someone, please share it. Leave a feedback on our website www.peoplesstoriespodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes and short content. And now, let's continue with the episode. so in your career you would meet people who are very very um optimistic about stuff and you know they look at things in the right way but you will also meet a lot of people who are very um deranged in their life and they don't have things in the right direction and you have to so it is it's it's not all i mean at that point of time i felt like this is such such an hunky dory job so to say where you are you know talking to so many people and having fun uh 
please let me know if that's a myth <laughs> i'm i'm sorry that's a very tough question and you had you did not prepare me for this question okay or i'd or i'd have an answer ready but i have to be very honest you know see i deal with people all the time okay uh, my subject is a human being a person correct uh, every person is a package deal similarly every profession is a package deal uh, it is a myth that this is all hunky dory and fun uh you know because you know as much as i do that engaging people has is becoming more and more tough as you and i speak you know attention spans are so so short lived everything i say is available on the internet everything i say why would anyone want to sit with me or listen hmm what so okay then then tell me what's the what is the perk of being in this area like what do you absolutely love about psychology uh will you allow me to be honest of course <laughs> according to me my biggest perk is that you know uh, my learning from meeting so many people or the fact uh, you know that i get to meet so many people and work with them in different capacities capacities is i have really imbibed this thing in me that i'm okay and so are you you know so uh, meeting people with diverse problems sometimes uh, makes me feel so much gratitude you know that uh, um i just feel like uh, people are undergoing so many things in their lives and you've been uh, instrumental in you know solving helping them solve or just get a perspective helping them get a perspective to uh, you know point oh 1% of their problem and uh, i think this is the feeling that i bring home and i feel good about so when you said for example that you your profession kind of enables you to be the kind of person you are i i'm sure you would have friends in different professional areas you know people working into for example banking or engineering or lawyer i don't know um when you look at them and when you look at self at yourself do you see any any primary difference between what your profession does to you and what your prof- what their profession does to them i mean it's not like a comparison where i'm saying psychology is like the highest profession or something but does it make you uh because you know those tri- tips and tricks does it make you a better person <laughs> not at all not at all and you know i really must uh, you know i know uh, due to lack of other words you know uh, you say tips tips and techniques and things like that but you know listen the first thing which we tell people uh, people my people of my fraternity would tell clients is that you know we are not mind readers we, we can't read our own minds at all people are essentially all the same Uh, problems are similar for everyone but because i'm dealing with a lot of diverse people from diverse professional backgrounds from diverse personal backgrounds i just have a better understanding of people correct uh, my purpose is something else your purpose is something else all right so uh, it i'm not saying unfair but just there is no comparison there is no comparison that's yeah. right yes um so okay then let's let's get to understand a little more about psychology in general so when you are studying psychology as your bachelor's or masters what all can you do after that so organizational psychology is one thing and teaching is another thing that you already spoke about are there other things uh, that you can do and how will it look like so again you know uh, i'm not very well equipped to answer this question but i'll tell you whatever i know and you know but there are a plethora of fields you can actually be in uh, let's say there are uh, like when you do your bachelor's in psychology it's a general psychology degree you have when you go to do your masters just like any other field correct you're doing a subspecialization i did my subspecialization counseling psychology 
which in layman language would mean dealing with adjustment disorders. All right. So I would have a nail, someone who has a nail biting disorder, someone who has like, a, you know, a children with bedwetting issues. These are all adjustment problems. Okay. This is what a counseling psychologist usually does. Again, I'm giving you an extremely umbrella kind of picture. There are a thousand things and a lot of scope inside of these subspecializations also. Okay. Uh, you have like drug and rehab counseling and, you know, you have marriage counseling. There's a separate field which says child counseling and things like that career guidance counseling this is you know so this is one subspecialization so you can do all of these things uh, a counseling psychologist or a child psychologist could be hired by uh, you know let's say a toy company let's say a leo mattel would hire you to tell you or you know to look at the sociological impact of the toys which they are making on children you know uh, is this something okay there are developmental psychologists who are again psych uh, you know uh, who have an msc in development uh, uh, human development that's also a field of psychology where you know they want to see if children Children are, you know, reaching their milestones on time. If these kind of toys would improve finger dexterity, or would this would let, uh, you know, improve improve their motor skills. So uh, I cannot begin to tell you also what are the different things you do. So I did mention counseling psychology. There's industrial and organizational psychology. There are super specializations in organizational behavior. Uh, you know, a lot of these people would also be working with governments in their policy making decisions. Uh, there is also social psychology, which deals with, you know, uh, societal issues at large, not necessarily problems, but societal issues at large. You know, when we talk about mob psychology, you talk about prostitution. That's a societal, uh, you know, uh, concern or issue. People who have a master's in psychology would also be involved in social entrepreneurship okay so looking at how businesses see businesses are run for profitability correct but how businesses could be profitable and simultaneously impact society in a positive way that's what social uh, entrepreneurship is all about correct then uh, you know uh, there, there is clinical psychology and altogether different and you know intense field of psychology where you actually study a lot of the a lot of biology. You study uh, uh, psychological diseases, okay? So you study, study schizophrenia. It's got to do with the, you know, um, uh, the more deeper rooted aspect of mental health where there is chemical imbalance and you're more predisposed to some kind of behavior. You know, paranoia, schizophrenia, there's uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. And these people who typically work in, set, in setups like hospitals, a lot of clinical psychologists also work alongside psychiatrists who's a medical doctor and then has an MD, MD in psychiatry, uh, where the you know, doctor is able to dispense or give medicines. Okay, And these are the ones who understand the disease and can do therapy alongside that. That's very, very interesting. Like to me, before talking to you, what I knew about psychology was, of course, clinical psychology, you always know about. But I had never thought that a toy company would also have a psychologist, which absolutely makes sense right now. But now again, because when, when you're working in any other profession, for example, when I'm working in my consulting area, um, I know when to cut it off. So, okay, it's 7, 7 p.m. in the evening. Now I don't have to worry about my work. It's done. And I don't bring it down to my personal setup. Uh, it's very, very, uh, you know, you can just break it down. I understand yeah. what you're asking. Yes. You know, the, the line of demarcation is very tough between your profession and your personal, you know, where you use your professional knowledge only in your work life or also in your, um, you know, personal life. 
But honestly, I've never had an issue like that. Yeah, we just we stay four people staying under the same roof. You know, there are times when you want to run away and never come back, and then there are times when you feel like, oh, dude, this is the best place to live in. You know, but no, I, I mean, I'm I'm sh- I wouldn't be able to speak about others. But with me, that's not really a concern. I wouldn't, uh, you know, bother too much about continuing to observe my family too much or, you know, overthinking or things like that. No, it usually doesn't happen. Okay. Okay. As a psychologist, when you study stuff, you can study methods, you know, but the application of a specific method to somebody would be totally different or could be totally different as compared to somebody else, which means there has to be a creativity involved into your work as well, right? You have to be totally Totally. Oh, you have to think on the spot sometimes, you know. And there are realization there are realizations which happen when you're speaking with people, you know. Like, you know, you have you absolutely have that moment in your head thinking that, you know, okay, what if or you know maybe this or things like that. Yes, you're right. We, uh, I have to be very honest. Uh, there are so many times when we do trial and error. You know, a therapist is not sure about what is going to work with you. With all that you brought to me on this table, let's see if this works with us, for, for you or not. You know, that's the kind of approach I have so mm. many times. Okay, that's right. And okay, so um, now again, because you are an organizational psychologist and you are dealing with a lot of, I don't know, uh, people who are into, uh, who are professionally occupied with something. What is, what is that, what are those few things that you see as the most um you know as things that people should work on like like if you can if you can work on those things your life will be easier happier basically free advice <laughs> very smart girl no you are um okay i just probably and this is what i have also learned that my life really become became so much more meaningful after that i follow this mantra of acknowledge accept and allow Okay, so uh, I think it's very, it starts with self. And once you do it with self, you see so much value in it that you start practicing it in your relationships also. And I mean work relationships as well as, you know, personal relationships. Whenever you have a feeling, a thought, you know, uh, or anything which comes by, you know, a situation, acknowledge the situation, you know, uh, irrespective of what geography you are from, we have been conditioned in different ways. Right. We've been taught uh, to overlook things uh, unless, you know, they are important at the moment. We've been taught to. And this is very inadvertently this kind of process, this kind of a process happens. Nobody teaches you. Nobody's teaching you like that. That happens. Okay. So I think it's very important for us to acknowledge the feeling, thought, emotion, situation, you know, at that moment. Then you, you know accept it but yes this has happened to me okay and then the last thing would be allow or act on it there are few things which will stay the way they are you know and then uh, and there are few things which you know actually uh, uh, it's like a tie between you you know between those things and your morale so this is a non-negotiable for you then look at acting upon it or you know thinking about what is it that I want to do with it so I think and I think this this mantra no uh, actually encompasses a lot of other things, self-acceptance, self-awareness, but we acknowledge, accept, allow, slash, act, self-acceptance, self-awareness, then, you know, accepting others, okay, uh, managing yourself, okay, I, I'm doing nothing but talking about the four quadrants of emotional intelligence here, okay, so I think, I think it's very important to Again, I might sound very, you know, the most creative people would not agree to this and 
people who favor a lot of adrenaline rush and things like that. But I do think at some point of time for today in any industry or any profession or any organization that you work with, some level of equilibrium is important within you. Okay, beat your mind, beat your body, beat your emotions, beat your work. Okay, and we call it work-life balance, but I'm just calling it equilibrium so that people get the message that it's way more basic and you know biological than that. Work-life balance is something you externally do. Equilibrium is something you you actually need to maintain. You know, a lot of your processes will shut down if you're not in your body is not yeah. you know in equilibrium. I honestly feel. I mean, at this point of time. in today's world basically um we started judging ourselves a lot like i personally feel that you know i would if i am angry at something i would not say it out because i would be like okay what if i show that i'm angry you know what will that person think about me or if i'm upset about something i'll be like okay i don't have to show it to people because then they will know that i get upset by such small things and there is so much of self judgment involved into every single thing that you are do you always want to look the best version of yourself and that's what people say right become the best version of yourself and fake it till you make it you know sometimes i feel like these are setting the standards in a in a wrong way you are focusing on things which are not even in your hand you are a human at the end of the day right so you i feel like you should and i'm saying this because it happens to me a lot of times because so it's it's so important that you be true to yourself if you're not feeling good about something i think it's easiest to accept that you're not feeling good about it and then maybe you can do something about it maybe you cannot very true and i totally hear you yeah and i must tell you that you know uh you know these kind of uh, uh, phrases like you said fake it till you make it and things like that they've been there since donkey's years yeah they've been there at the times of my parents at the times of their parents okay but they were never uh, they were never so uh, you know uh, seriously taken yes talked about but i think currently and we both know it and you know but i don't like to actually go into a spiral conversation with uh, with regards the same because you know uh, it we just take all this in a very negative kind of a connotation but yes i do believe that uh, you know the exposure which we have right now has made all of us very image conscious so i'm not going to tell you it's a phase yes uh, you know the world around us makes us slightly uh, overly uh, not slightly overly uh, let's say conscious about what they're doing saying and that's why i said it starts with your body i don't even want to talk about the mind being being a psychologist you know it's very important to maintain some kind of an equilibrium of your body you know because your body is actually where you live in so i think you know listening to your body have conversing with your mind i know it sounds like a very fancy book term and you know but uh, but you know it's important have you those self conversations because your gut knows exactly you know that something's going wrong i can't pinpoint it but i just don't feel how many times do you find yourself saying that i don't know what i just don't feel good today or i just don't feel like it today matlab tu baat hi kar lo yaar apne man se you know i'm not saying that will set things right i'm just saying that that is essential to do uh you know just that is that is essential to do just so that you you know you have that feeling of okay i've tried to uh, work on this or you know i've tried to understand more and looks like this is going to stay like this you know or looks like i'll have to do something about it like i said you know allow or act so do you want to talk about um you know something some uh, an experience where you kind of failed yourself and how did you come out of it 
oh my God, this is this calls for another session, but I'm going to try and keep it brief because we are two very talkative people here. Um, let me tell you, okay, so we're in 2021, COVID started in 2020, 2019, I left my house and a 21 and a 20 year old marriage uh, and, uh, you know, uh, stayed separately for a good nearly two years. Okay. And uh, I don't think I feel myself because I still feel that, you know, but this is the closest instance which comes to my, my mind and the most recent one. I still feel it was one of the wisest decisions of my life because I learned so many things being by myself, you know. Uh, I felt I could like just live my life alone. I, you know, and uh, I, I affirmed that. But yes, I can live alone. Okay. I felt like, you know, uh, my husband will not be able to stay without me. And I negated that. That No, he is also okay staying alone. Then I felt like my son would join me or my son is going to pick living with my husband. And then my son preferred to shuttle between the two of us. Um, so uh, I think the decision I made and the things I learned and then I made the decision to move out and I made the decision to come back. And uh, so, you know, so I don't think it was a failure as such, but I do think that it was a learning experience for sure. A few things I learned was that, you know, everyone must live on their own, totally on their own sometime or the other in life. Again, this is a very personal kind of a thing coming. My husband, Himanshu, has never lived by himself, except like even here, you know, like my mother-in-law is at home, Anshu would be here most of the time. So, you know, for him, it feels like, oh, what rubbish. I'm okay the way I, you know, I, this is okay. So I'm not saying this is, but this is what I, I feel, you know, that everyone needs to have an experience of being by themselves. And it could be when you're going out to study, you know, because you're totally responsible for everything, you know, at uh, that time. Uh, for a student, it would be allocation of money, which comes from home or making side, side by side, making money as you're studying or, you know, uh, uh, for a, a grown-up, it would mean actually fending for yourself and paying your bills when you are in a particular, let's say, uh, uh, paying guest uh, accommodation or, you know, uh, renting a place and staying on your own. So that is one thing I learned. Second thing I learned was that, you know, God allows U-turns. That is, if you believe in God, if you believe in universe and energy and all, you know, it's like wind, which is flowing in all directions. So, you know, no matter what, you can always, and I don't mean come back home. I mean, you can have a particular opinion for 10 years of your life and you can always come back saying that, no, no, I think I was wrong or I think, you know, this didn't work out. I think I want to try this now. Mm. That's such a nice thing to say, you know. I mean, uh, I don't know, just accepting that, okay, I think I was wrong <laughs> and I want to try something else. That that in itself would take so much uh, bravery, I feel. So, yes, you remember, I, I have seen this film Cinderella, you know, and that thing really struck with, uh, stuck with me. Uh, have courage and... Yeah, oh, that, that's such a nice line, yes. But thank you so much for your time, Ami. It was wonderful talking to you. Oh, you're so welcome, Priyanka. Thank you so much. And I'm going to wait till I listen to this hearing. <laughs>